and welcome back, everyone, to another edition of Going for Two, presented by our dear friends at Home Field Apparel. I am your host, publisher of the Extra Points newsletter, Matt Brown. I am joined here in person by my colleague and co-host, Brian Fisher. Uh, friends, we're doing things a little bit differently for this episode. We're not recording on the same day that we normally do. We're not recording in front of this in the same location that we normally do because Brian and I are in Las Vegas. We're we having a fun time in Las Vegas, Brian. We're having a very uh, tired time, I believe, in Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah. It, has been, it has been a, a number of long days that we've been here at the <laughs> 2022 uh, SBJ Intercollegiate Athletics Forum, kind of the, the gathering, the mecca of, of conference commissioners. Uh, Mark Emmert was was just uh, on stage uh, yep. not too long ago, but uh, really, in terms of kind of the end of season events, um, you know, this is a big one. And you know, truth, truthfully, the uh, National Football Foundation dinner was was on Tuesday, so right. we, we've kind of had uh, a big week here in Las Vegas, as it typically is here. You know. It, it's funny to see the evolution of this event. You know, years ago, this used to be really a, an event held in New York kind of before the Heisman ceremony. Yeah. Obviously, the, the NFF dinner uh, is, is a big thing with the Hall of Fame class coming in. So um, it, it's an exhausting week, but it's good to catch up with a lot of folks and uh, really get kind of a, a good sense of where college athletics is right now. It's a very big event for our parent company. Uh, you know, our D1 ticker and Collegiate Sports Connect and, and, and you know, reaching back out and creating video with a lot of other people that are the movers and shakers in this world. You're, you're right. It's definitely a different event. I was not. I was not going to this thing when it was in New York. I've, I've talked to other reporters and administrators who've been, you know, do, doing this for a while. And as I understand it, you know, in New York, you might there might be you might go to a, uh, some college basketball games that'd be at Madison Square Garden that weekend. And then for the, the the football foundation dinner, this was a major place for ads to look to hire coaches and for head coaches to hire assistants because this is you know you have an excuse to come to this event you go get your tuxedo you're supporting uh the legends in, in from the old alma mater or perhaps somebody on the current on their current team that's being that's being celebrated there were a lot of people playing college football this year i saw adrian martinez you know or, or, you know uh, earlier just being celebrated for his accomplishments and you can just duck off into a room somewhere and not got an interview I'm not saying that that didn't happen here. Um, this casino is very big. <laughs> and I think even under um, the best of circumstances, Las Vegas is the kind of place where time doesn't follow normal rules. And uh, it, 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 these, these kind of things can happen. But that, that's not so much what this sort of event here is. This is, this is an opportunity for, for a big industry networking event and, and a, a signpost on the calendar. Maybe not quite as well attended as last year or, or perhaps some other ones. That's not an insult to anybody. It's just uh, this is a really busy time on the calendar. And if Brian and I sound tired, it's because we are. Right? I just got back from Connecticut on um, uh, you know, Sunday afternoon. Uh, Brian's been on the road a lot too. A lot of folks here have. God knows the ADs and the commissioners have been living out of suitcases for the past four and a half months and um, shows a little bit. I, I think we it, it does. Point. You know, I, I mean, you mentioned the, the coaches getting hired. You know, I, I think what's accelerated that is just the fact that, you know, you have the early signing period. Oh, you that's have a good point, too. So Timetable's many, changed. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like you're, you're time, you used to be able to relax a little bit. Yes, your, your head coaches will still be doing, you know, home visits and all that sort of thing that normally occurs when you kind of have yep. a, a break in the calendar. But uh, that, that is not the case anymore. And so uh, coaches are, are stretched ever, ever, ever thinner. And uh, although they still, you know, come come to show their support of, of former players. Uh, you know, I saw Josh Heupel was here yep. uh, for Rory Williams in induction uh, there. James there at Franklin was here. Yeah, James Franklin was here. A lot, a lot of coaches, you know, still. I, I mean, Chris, I saw Chris Kleiman, um, who I had seen previously in, during the week uh, at Big 12, uh, the yeah. Big 12 title game. So it, that still happens. It's still a great um, mingling event, certainly on the football side. But I, I think what was unique about this year certainly was just the not only getting all the commissioners up at, at the SBJ stage, but um, this is a, an inflection point for, for a lot of uh, college athletics. We have just came off college football playoff expansion, which is obviously a huge topic that you know I think everybody discussed at some point there on the stage. You have yes. transformation committee. We, we had saw, saw Julie Cromer, um, the Ohio AD, who's on the, the co-chair there. Was Greg Sankey was was there yep. as well. So Talked this is a very very inflective moment for, for college athletics, and I think given the quasi pause before the bowl game start and, and college basketball really gets going. This is at least a, a slight break in terms of all that. And we can kind of reset as we go into a, a very busy 2023. That's it's definitely true. And uh, you, to, to kind of peel back the curtain a little bit, you, you come to this sort of thing, you have 
you know, seminars and 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 uh, you know, interviews on stage within the SBJ event itself. You have uh, a, a you know a couple of big conference rooms where you, you know, might be doing media scrums. We do individual you know, video recorded interviews. They have vendors that are there and everything. Then you have people that literally just come to this to hang out in the lobby. They might they might pay the fee to do networking. There's a ton of consultants and you know, and NIL companies and media rights companies and like anybody that works in like the business is is going to be here. Honestly, I think there may have been more of those folks uh, by the end than there were working administrators. Um, one hundred percent. Like I, yeah. I don't even think there's any, any doubt about that right now. Yeah. So, and and you're right about the inflection point, and also not a criticism, but as I as I'm sitting here trying to unpack everything that I've I've heard and talked to you over the past like thirty six hours or so, this feels like a point where yes, there's some gigantic changes happening in college athletics, but we're also kind of waiting for some of that stuff to happen. Right. We've been talking about the transformation committee, Brian for over a year. Um, and if we go back and I think listen to some of the shows that we put together right after the NCAA convention last January, and the stuff that we know now, it's not that different. Right? And we know that it's, it's coming to a head. There's gonna be a presentation, I wanna say January 12th. We'll probably get some more of the hard and fast details leaked out there, but there's a lot of hurry up and waiting for some of those things to, to be finished. Um, we The college football playoff, uh, most of, 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 of the, that, those negotiations are now done. There's still some waiting about exactly what the revenue share looks like and some of the, the nuts and bolts. Not going to happen this week. Kind of, kind of waiting for that, waiting for maybe the next realignment shoe to drop. So everyone knows that you're not on steady ground, but the, 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 the next thing that's going to happen isn't for a, a little while. So at some point, there's only so many times you could say like, boy, we're in a transformational time in college athletics and, and we're just waiting on like, we know. You know and and <laughs> for us, because we've been writing that, that same damn story for seven months, because and it's been true. Um, I don't say, I don't know if frustrating is exactly the right word, but it, that, you know, that's, I'm grateful that we'll be getting to a point where the details will change a little bit. There, there were a couple of newsy things and, and some takeaways from this particular event. But I, for me, the biggest theme was, we know big changes are coming. They're not here yet. And so we're, we're, we're just preparing ourselves for that kind of uncertainty. I, I would agree. I, I would almost say that we know the changes are coming and we're not offering solutions. That, that, that was kind of yeah. my, my takeaway. You know, I think we talked so many times about the, the issues of facing college athletics. Yes, the positives, you know, we've certainly certainly seen growth in media rights revenue, what you can do with that in terms of supporting sure. your, your student athlete experience, as they like to say, that, that that's all great. But like, you know, we, we heard several times about NIL, everybody complained about NIL again. Like, I mean, that I, is I'm, a consistent complaint. I'm so sick of this shit. But, but it's like, like yeah. how, how much are you going to like, we need federal legislation. All right. But, but what are you doing to advance that? And, and you know, I, th there's not really much being done on that. And, and, and truthfully, you know, you mentioned the, the kind of waiting part. I, I do think. Part of it is at least, yes, we want to wait until the NCAA Transformation Committee makes their presentations and, sure. and boards and, and that process runs through. But I also think it's even larger than that. I think it does come down to a little bit in terms of market rates replacement, having yeah. having a direction for the NCAA moving forward. So and, you know, really, this is a, a time where it is a, a bit of a downtime. But like the, the level of solutions that were being offered, I guess you could say, in, in terms of all of college athletics, not just at, the, at this event, you know, it, it's very, very lacking. I, I guess that was that was my biggest takeaway for me. It's like everybody's <laughs> offering those, those criticisms and whatnot, but, but actually what are we going to do about for some of these things? And they're a little light on the details. You're, you're a thousand percent right. And, and that would be a, a bigger takeaway is how much of the content of what we have heard today, how much of that was very meaningfully different from the same stuff that we heard last January? Like not, forget the, 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 we, this event last December, but like post NCAA convention, post creation of the transformation committee, post uh, you know, in a year, we have been aware of collectives. The collectives, that, that model has changed a little bit. But, um, you know, I think we're in NIL 2.0 rather than NIL 1.0, you know, last summer. And uh, some of the realignment storylines have changed a little bit, but the, the foundational tensions are, are, all, are all still the same. I, I, I think I would be a little bit more frustrated that there wasn't more in, in, the, in the lines of, of solutions. So I'll, I'll, you know, very quickly, just to kind of, Give you the lay of the land. You're, you're, you're going to continue to hear a lot of commissioners express frustration about not being able to really meaningfully enforce NCAA guidelines. I, 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 I am comfortable saying there is a consensus among commissioners and a consensus among most ADs 
they really don't like the idea of NIL being used as naked, um, uh, what's the inducement for, for recruiting? Well, what was Brett Yormark's line? I think he, it is inducing free agency, whether whether we want to admit it or not. You yes. Know, yes. This, is, this, this is, is at least being said in the open, which has been a little bit of a change, I guess, over the last six months or so. Right. Is that they're at least acknowledging what is kind of going on on the ground. And we're seeing that with Transfer Portal, certainly. Un- unquestionably. Um, but even, you know, you talk to people at Alabama, talk to people at Ohio State, other big time programs, they'll tell you, like, that's not, this is not the word that we want, right? But we understand we, we probably can't do a lot from Indianapolis, especially with a lame duck president, um, without federal help. Well, here, I mean, here, here's the problem. This was honestly, I think, the actual nightmare scenario here for the NCAA, because there were a couple of people that were expressing quiet confidence that if Republicans took control of the House and the Senate, that uh, the individuals controlling those committees would present something a little bit closer to what uh, Senator Blunt or Senator uh, Wicker, out of, Wicker out, of, out of Mississippi or, or um, Marco Rubio that were, that were basically, here's the antitrust exemption and, and very little else to allow the NCAA to do things, um, which is very different from where Senate Democrats, at least the ones that are invested in this issue, which is not that many, are, are pushing for much more expansive reform. NIL and healthcare or, and allowing athletes to potentially collectively bargain and, you know, X, Y, or Z. Well, Republicans are going to control the house now, barely. And we don't even know to what extent that they're going to have meaningful control over some of those committees, given, uh, you know, that we don't even know who the speaker is going to be. And Democrats, uh, just won the runoff election in Georgia and they're going to have, they're going to have Senate control. And, uh, Joe Biden is not is unlikely to be impeached in, in, in the next 18 months. So now you, you couldn't get anything done with unified control of Congress in part because this wasn't an issue that people cared about. Now it's substantially less likely to happen in the next two or three years. So we can keep trotting out this same line every single time, but nothing's meaningfully changing. And this isn't going to be a, a, a committee priority anywhere, not, not even to, to revisit what we've already talked about for the next four months. So that to me, like, I'm sick of hearing it. Like, it's, it's, it's DOA. So then, okay, what are other ways that we can engage with this reality as it exists? And there is a, a level of honesty that might happen if I just call up somebody on the phone or if I'm talking to somebody in, in, the, in the hallway, especially because I think more and more ADs realize that, um, at least for me, I'm more likely to be critical of, of, some of, of some of what's going on here. And so that, you know, people that would want to talk to me are more comfortable doing that way. But you get them up on a stage, they're not going to do it. Um, well, I mean, how, yeah. how many times sure. were we, we kind of joking after some of these sessions about the, at least the, the commissioners that we, that we heard that we were not interviewing separately, you know, how, how much did they really say? You know, like George Klavkov, I, I know you were in his session. Yeah, know, said there was almost nothing. Uh, nothing, you know, and, and, and even, I, I thought, you know, ultimately Mark Emmert, uh, when, when he went up to, to the SBJ spa, uh, stage and, and spoke, really didn't say anything. Maybe saying that, uh, you know, Penn State, uh, he, he had some comments around that. I know that was picked up a, lo- a little bit by social media, but like yeah. in terms of like actual meaty, uh, like we know your job was, was hard, Mark. We, we know that you wish the communication strategy was different. Like, but, but was there any actual meaningful things out of that, Buddy, that interview? No, there, you, there really you're wasn't. You're going out the door, man. Like you should be able to speak a little bit more freely. Um, I, 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 I would say that like, I have listened to a lot of Mark Emmert press conferences. I've spoken to him, not extensively. You know, I've, I've, I've talked to him a couple of times and I can't think of the, too many times when he's ever said anything really substantial over something like this. The, the most candid I think he's ever been has been in a, in a classroom setting or somewhere where he's not going to be around a lot of reporters, which I understand, right? I'm, I'm more candid talking to students than I am maybe even on this podcast or something. A couple of the other commissioners I know are capable of saying stuff. They're not, they're not, they're not, they're not done by any means. The, the two things that Emmer did say, I guess this might be our last time listening to this dude because SBJ had reported they might hire and, or announce a new uh, NCAA president potentially. It, it does sound like it's it's much closer and, and further along in, in the search process on that. I, I think yeah. that has been a, a topic of conversation around here, not just because because yeah, Mark be is speaking, but but it definitely does like seem Christmas. like we are moving forward and, and at least close enough. And you know, I, I mean, we've heard a couple of names that, that have been kicked around. Some others that uh, you've heard of have kind of pulled out of the search as well. So maybe that changes things. Yeah, in Greg, terms of Greg the Sankey's not taking this job. We, we know that. We yeah. know that. Like, just, he, he specifically said, I am not taking this, this job. This is the thing that I get asked on sports radio. So if you're listening now, let me go put that to bed. Greg Sankey arguably has a better job right now and and, and said that in front of the, uh, you and me and God and all the reporters tweeting that he doesn't want the job. Um, 
the, the things that he, that he did say that are, are, were a little interesting, or at least I hadn't heard him say before, was he, he was concerned about, hey, you know, the, the NCAA's public image is pretty terrible right now. No, duh. And you, Mr. Emmert, play a large role in that. Uh, and he, but he was saying, listen, people feel really good about the championships, about the tournaments, about the postseason experience, last year notwithstanding. What they hate is the organizational body that has to do things like enforce rules and, and do research and do all the administrative things, a lot of which is probably still required, but everyone's going to hate. And, and he had said, you know, he had said, you know, what I wanted to do was, was to have two different brands, right? And so people wouldn't associate the NCAA tournament with bureaucrats in Indianapolis. Um, I know I, I had sarcastically joked on Twitter, like, okay, yeah, we can have the one thing that everybody likes and we'll have like the umbrella corporation for all the bad stuff. We'll just, we'll, you know, move it into some kind of shell. Uh, not surprised that that didn't end up happening. Maybe that would have helped on the PR side a little bit, but he's just not a, a, a cuddly guy. Well, I mean, you know, he, he said nobody else in, in, the, in the world does this. And of course, you know, I immediately FIFA comes FIFA to does. mind, you know. Uh, uh, FIBA, the basketball well, I mean, association. There's, there's a, you know, you, you look at the uh, breakaway European Super League. I mean, this is going to, I believe, the court of arbitration of sport is, is actually looking at this issue in terms of UEFA running the UEFA Champions League and also being a governing body. And, you know, that that is a thorny issue, certainly over, overseas in, in Europe, but it, yeah. it is exactly what the NCAA kind of is right now. And I, yeah. I get I get the Mark Emmert, get cable theory. channel. Challenge. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally get the thinking in theory, but like some of these these ideas, you know, I I, I do feel like people are underestimating the the built-in and entrenched bureaucracy sure. that you know people as much as they say they want to move on from it, they're also relying on it, tied to it, and and you know it, it was kind of also funny. He said, oh, you know, to separate this, and you know, it would be the smart way, but it would cost a lot of money. I'm like, number one, these these people on the on the committees in terms of the regulatory stuff. They're, they're this is on their own time they're not getting paid for it like in terms of the actual cost in this yeah you might might have to hire a few communications professionals or you know some some czars or whatever but like you're not talking about millions of dollars to separate these two things <sighs> no. so that was another thing that i was like caught, caught my eye and started to roll my eyes a little bit about uh, something coming out of mark emmert's uh, mouth uh, inertia is an extremely powerful force on, on all levels here and that's it's a higher education thing here too right mm. We start talking about presidents and deans, and we learned about how all the baloney that's happening at the rest of the university. Maybe we understand this a little bit better. The 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 more I guess humanizing thing that he, that he he did mention, you know, he's asked about having thick skin or about all the criticism. And God knows, he's gotten a lot of it, most of it deserved. But but to his credit, I don't think all of it is. And and he said that the, what really hurt him wasn't so much the disagreeing about his decisions or, you know, the guy's been a university president in the SEC. He knows what it's like for people to yell at him. It's the criticisms that he didn't care about college athletes. And I will say this. I think he's been a lousy head of the NCAA. I think a lot of the, the existential challenges that the organization faces right now are directly attributable to decisions that he made. I don't think he doesn't care. Um, he just has a terrible way of showing it and, and, and has made bad, bad decisions. But I, I also think he's, he's, he's a, something of a true believer of, of some of the principles that we might make fun of him for and believes that this is the best way to do it. So there, there are other ways you could criticize him beyond saying that he, he, he literally doesn't care about athlete welfare. Um, the thing about unethical systems and crazy bureaucracy and everything is that they can make people who... Uh, make decisions that are against maybe what, what they want to do ethically. And I think there's a lot of that in college athletics, particularly on the administrative side. Well, and I think with, with Mark in, in, in particular, you look at his his kind of entire career arc, and, and certainly the, the communication and, and all that aspect has has not gone well. And, no. and he said that was a big, big blind spot for him, and, and that, that was a big miss for him. And, um, you know, I think everybody can can kind of agree agree with that. <laughs> the NCAA is undergoing some some changes on the communication side, so I yeah. think that is probably related to that. But, you know, the, the one thing that struck me about just kind of the, the future beyond him, um, and, and Greg Sankey said, said this to me, um, just that he he would like whoever whoever does end up taking over at least to have not he didn't say it so in so many words but but kind of alluded to somebody with, that can set a direction that can have a backbone that can kind of provide leadership which, which frankly Mark Emmert did not yeah you know, when right. when conference realignment was was running wild there was nobody to stand up when when COVID was changing everybody's season there was no one voice no one direction saying hey we got to do this and, and pulling people in, in in that same direction and you know Mark does tend to cite 
hey, you know what? I've, I'm not only in charge of the FBS football schools and, and the Power Five. You know, I've got thousands of schools technically. I've got Stony Brook. Under my purview. Yeah, I've got Denison. And, and I totally get that, but leadership starts from the top. And, and he yeah. just did not kind of provide that in those key moments. I think a lot of it comes down to, we mentioned the Penn State decision that was very early in his tenure. I think that did end up shaping kind of how he saw the job and, and how he kind of saw, yes, my job is not only to take flack, but also to not really kind of lead in that kind of way. And, and set some precedents that uh, we, we don't want to kind of unwind later on. So um, That's a good point. It, it, it's it's going to be a, a very unique change, I think, going forward. But, um, you know, to me, to, to my mind, I, I think it was just at least a great event to, to catch up with a lot of sure. a lot of folks. And, um, you know, for, for Mark Emmert and, and himself, they, they always make a big deal about this being the last. I'm, I'm sure we'll see him in San Antonio at the uh, NCAA oh. convention, which will hit, be his last for sure. But, um, you know, time, times they are changing and hopefully for the better. I yeah. think that's, that's the key that I think everybody has had in mind. Yeah, there's, I, I, I would not say that this was a, an event of despair. Um, and, you know, maybe that's a product of who's not here or who's too tired to come and everything. I, I will say, and, you know, we'll reference this in the newsletter too, there were, I think, a couple of potentially newsworthy, uh, you know, smaller things that we gleaned from our conversations, both in the actual, like, seminars and then in the hallways and with Connect. A reoccurring conversation that happened today is about this idea of where we should play college football playoff games. The current system right now for 2024 and 2025 calls for first round games to be played on campus and additional games to be played uh, on both sites. Um, how we do things beyond 2026 when we have a new contract is still a little bit TBA, but a, a common question has been, well, why can't we play more of these games on campus. And intuitively, it would make sense to do this because playing games on campus is fun. As, a, as, a, as fans and as, as media members and consumers of college football, we tend to like games on campus more than we like games in the Texas stadium uh, or in the Cowboy stadium or in, in, in neutral sites. Uh, and I, I'm sure that the, the sunset over the, the mountains and the Rose Bowl is a majestic experience up there with the, with the Springsteen concert for a, for a sports writer. But, it, you know, it, it would be different if it's in Columbus or if, it, or if it's in Tuscaloosa. However, I, I, Greg Byrne, the Alabama athletic director, raised this concern. It's one that I've seen Gene Smith raise before, and it's one that's, that's come up from other athletic directors. It's this it's very boring, and I know it can be eye-rolling, but I honestly got to think it's, there is some legitimacy to it about the logistics of doing it. Brian, you've, we, you and I have talked about this a lot on, on, on air. It, to do a conference championship game where you know who's going to be playing, you know exactly when and where it's going to be, is an enormous undertaking. And when we think of many of the premier college football brands, they're in small cities that don't have huge hotel capacity. And it's already a problem during home football games generally, but for a playoff game, it's gonna be even crazier. And it's for an AD to say, hey, it's going to be hard to have enough hotels in Tuscaloosa to turn this around in a week or in Oxford, Mississippi, or even in South Bend, Indiana. I don't think that's like that. That's not just idle bellyaching. That is a legitimate thing to, to, to think about here. We're doing it in Miami or Las Vegas or in New Orleans or Los Angeles, places that routinely host major events like this. I can understand beyond the historical bull graft scenario here why that might be appealing. Well, I think the momentum over the last couple of weeks, now that now that, now that the announcement has been made, and, yeah. and like, yes, there's still some, some minor details to be left to work out, but uh, I, I think there is the attention turned to year 13, as, as they like to term it. Once this, this current contract, yes, they're expanding within this current contract. Once that is over, you can go to market with TV rights. When, when yeah. you can really do things with the recruiting calendar and, and the old, ultimate overall calendar and moving up to and playing more games in week zero, that's when I think some more significant changes are, are going to be underway. And I, I totally get why Greg would say, you know what, hotel capacity is, is going to be an issue. But look, we're already hosting first round games on campus. That, that's so already sure. happening. All yep. right. You're actually going to get extra time to prepare for some of these quarterfinal games that will be on campus. You'll know those events even further in, in advance than you will. You, you might have maybe a month, two months in, in, in advance in terms of actually planning for, for some of these games. And, and, and what I, I continually think about college athletics is, you know, we, we put up a kind of a front and we want to say, yeah, that, that's that's difficult. And, and you know, you, you can see some of the issues ahead. But when it comes down to it, when it comes down to to that, those final few plays or one of those final few moments, uh, when, it, when it comes to administrators planning for things, when it actually comes down to, to the time you actually have to make decisions and whatnot, 
the second industry is pretty resilient in actually doing things that uh, they, they say is impossible or yeah. they, they say that, oh, we, we have all these issues. You know what? They end up doing it. So I, I would say I would kind of caution about that. I, I do think there's the, the momentum in quote unquote year 13 and in 2026 and beyond to have these games on on campus. I mean, we're talking about you know, so, some folks that, you know, when it, when it comes to development, when it comes to your ticketing, when it oh, comes to your stadium the, this, marketing, this like is that the, the big, you, you're carrot. losing out on that. And, and you yeah. know, Greg Burns to say that, I totally get where he's, he's coming from, but he, he knows also the value of hosting. And let's face it, more times than not, a, a team like Alabama, they're going to get that buy and they're going to go straight to a neutral site. And that's not the greatest experience, whether you're an AD, whether you're a fan, whether you're a coach, you know, you, you yeah. want to be able to be rewarded. I think even more so for, for playing really nicely during the season and, and winning those big time games, because you know what, not only do I get a buy, I get a buy and a home game. Like that is a built in advantage that I think um, not too many people have, have quite discussed in terms of what it actually means on the field versus the logistical issues off the field. Uh, it's it's a great point, right? We our, our whole lives we heard that a playoff would be too logistically impossible until it wasn't. We heard that a, a, a bowl alliance would be impossible until it wasn't. And and uh, the, the, when when the money and the the, the pushes and that is correct, um, things things can change quickly. My my best educated guess. And it sounds like this, this is what you're saying here too, and other media members that we respect, or I think, are coming up to this conclusion: is we will probably play more games on campus once after we have two years, right? We're, it, it, honestly, the timing kind of sets up well for a lot of different ways with being able to have an expanded playoff a couple of years before the new TV deal. So you have a chance to kind of work out some bugs and find out what works and what doesn't, and uh, hopefully we have a. A, a, at least one team in a city of under 60,000 people to host one of these games so we can we can get an idea of what that looks like and, and what needs to be needs to be changed you know over a long enough time period someone's going to build enough hotels in Oxford Mississippi if that's what you got to do to host one of these things right or if, or if you have to bid for a home game like you do in the FCS playoff or in college football baseball regionals right where the, they you have to meet some kind of like facility standard regardless of how good you are like maybe that's the thing that happens well, and, and, and they still have the option to go to a neutral site if they want you know sure. I, I know gene smith has kind of come around to the idea of playing, playing uh, he, games in, in, in he Columbus, was cyber bullied away from playing something in lucas oil but but you, that's i mean that's still an option sure will, will fans be happy about it no but you know i if, if you're in you know, we, we've talked about state college a couple of times how difficult it is if penn state wants to host one of the games they have to go to pittsburgh or, or you know perhaps one of the nfl stadiums in, in the state yeah, that's, that's a possibility. Like it's not impossible to either host it there in, in state college or, or go elsewhere. So there, there are plenty of things on the table. I, I think, you know, you mentioned kind of the, the this interim period. I, I do feel like that's what these next two years of expansion yeah. are, are going to be is you know, there, there's going to be some tweaks beyond that. And, and I think everybody is at least cognizant of that. We, you know, they wanted to get over the line. They, they wanted to make sure their revenues were there uh, and, and the expansion was, was firmly in. But uh, I think there is some, some growing uh, optimism that uh, when come 2026, there will be some significant changes to actually how the postseason. So it, it's going to be multiple iterations that, that we're going to go through with this playoff, which is, I, I guess, um, you know, per, per, perfectly perfect for this sport, given where we started going Jeez. back to the, the B, B, Bowl Alliance and then you well, go to BCS. Like this, this is a constant do. series of, of postseason change, and yeah. we're going to get it over the next couple of years. We don't, as well. we don't do anything easy or cleanly or quickly. I'm trying to think of any other. Um, Specific news takeaways. Another thing that all of the commissioners were asked, the, the P5 commissioners, was, was about conference realignment and, and conference expansion. Uh, predictably, um, well, maybe, you know, maybe this is news depending on, who, on, on, on who's listening to this, right? Kevin Warren, as I understand it, said that we're done for now. Um, that door to potential uh, to additional West Coast expansion has, has certainly not permanently closed. But if you're looking for Oregon and Washington to join next week, I don't think that that's happening. Um, Greg Sankey uh, when at the SEC when asked was talking about um, the, really the importance of onboarding and, and really better integrating Texas and Oklahoma uh, before, before growing. Uh, the, the two that uh, are like, most likely to make uh, membership changes in the near future would be the Pac-12 and, and the Big 12. Uh, Klyavkov at the Pac-12 made it very clear, like, this is our timeline. You may have heard this before, and let me make it very clear. First thing we're going to do is the media rights deal. The second thing we're going to do is figure out our grant of rights agreement. The third thing we're going to do then is, is, is look at expansion candidates. Um, and, you know, Big 12 is, we, hey, when you say we're open for business, we're talking about stuff besides just real. 
whatever, dude. Like, yes, they. If the Brett Yormark would like to get into the Pacific time zone, whether that is with San Diego State, whether that is with um, teams leaving the Pac-12, whether that is with Cal Poly, and suddenly their enrollment jumps forty thousand, and they they balloon to FBS, and that's probably not super likely, but like that that's on the table. I feel pretty comfortable saying, based on my best intelligence, don't expect anything to happen this calendar year. Um, don't ex- this is this we're heading into where everyone else is way too busy with other things. I don't even expect Gonzaga to make an announcement this calendar year. I think when that happens, and I w- I would put not WCC as the betting favorite for Gonzaga, um, oh, yeah. whether that's the Big Twelve or somewhere else. I I I don't have a great sense. I guess probably the Big Twelve being the clubhouse leader, but but not not by much. I mean, yeah, you're you're making that. I don't know. I, I am making yeah. that that uh, that face. Yeah. You know, I, I think Gonzaga is, is definitely kind of the 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 next big pawn. I, I guess yeah. to kind of kind of be moved, and and I think there was certainly some discussion uh, surrounding that. I mean, when I was at yeah. the at Big Twelve title game, you know, Brett yeah. Mark was was asked yeah. about that. He's sure. asked about that again uh, today. I'm you know, going to ask he, about it every time I talk to him. He says, you know, expansion is something we are still considering. Um, you know, and and I think of of all the actual sessions that were on on the main stage of, of SBJ and, and frankly I was not at all of them to, so to be clear I, yeah, I know so you were a little bit more more yeah, than I we, kinda, we, went, we went back and forth we had other things to do today too but but uh you know to be honest of of the commissioner comments at least you know privately to us or on the on the stage you know I, I think of of anybody that that actually said something or, or did something it, it was Brett Yormark and, and as somebody kind of pointed out to me that that is his mo that, that is that, his persona he, he wants to be the disruptor and uh you know comments like that are um, you know, certainly taken up by fans, and uh, it definitely is is emboldened certain certain Big Twelve fan bases. But yeah, you know, at the end of the day, in terms of what's actually happening behind that closed door, you know, that there, there's a difference between what's being said on the on the stage and, and what the Big Twelve is is actually doing. No, that that that's fair. Um, on the mid major front, I also I had a chance to sit down with commissioners of two conferences that are also potentially looking at membership changes: uh, the Atlantic Ten and the America East. Both that have an odd number of schools and, uh, and have been linked to potentially other ones. Uh, both commissioners told me, uh, as you might imagine, because this was on camera, um, that they don't feel a need to make an immediate change. Um, they uh, and this, I think this is especially true with the A10. You got a really strong league right now, and uh, while there are other institutions that are interested, you, the the logistical difficulties of being at 15 are not so great that you can't ride that out for three years waiting for the right school. Especially in a basketball league Especially like in a bas- Especially in a basketball league and with some of the other sports that they sponsor. The American East is a little bit different, but, you know, and, and what Brad, uh, the, the commissioner there, has mirrored what I've heard from uh, doing reporting and talking is they want to wait. And for people that care very deeply about realignment, which is part of this audience and part of our the extra point sicko readership, and I, I say that with love, I would tell you that is I, it would really significantly surprise me if we see any mid-major movement in the next month. Um, in, in part because at the a lot of these weirdly, like the last round of realignment was was very much Texas Oklahoma was the epicenter, and everyone moved to respond to that, and eventually it moved down and it impacted all the way to you know the friggin' NEC. <laughs> and what we're seeing, I think, right now, given that it appears. USC and UCLA is going to be a more localized move that some of the dominoes are going to be bottom up. And by that, I mean, depending on what happens with Division II schools that are looking at potentially moving up, not just in the Northeast, I'm aware of a, of a handful in the Southeast that are, are increasingly kicking the tires and potentially joining the A-Sun or potentially joining other companies, maybe the Big South uh, in, in that region, that that actually changes the calculus for some of these other leagues that are going to be aggressive in, in membership, like the A-Sun like the America East, like the NEC, like the MAC, that, using the one with two A's here. I, I don't think the Midwestern MAC is, is going to make any changes. Um, so if, if, you're, if you're tracking that, it's, I would say wait till after the committee's done. Wait till it's voted on. Wait till it's digested. Wait till people finish their, their holiday breaks and the end of the college football season. Then you'll begin to see those conversations and those RFPs, the request for proposals, and, and that's start to heat up a little bit. Well, yeah, and, and I think... Um it was instructive. I think certainly you have Gonzaga at the top and, and then as you mentioned, kind of the bottom, bottom of, and, the, and those two will be drivers, but you know, George Klyovkov pointed it out, you know, look, you got to do the media rights deal first you do. And, and then you got to do that. The big East is, is coming up. So I, I think that could be another driver. So I, I think there yeah. are a lot of 
kind of plates in, in motion, even though we don't expect any of them to, to really start spinning or, or really start doing anything. Um, I, I think until certainly at least until next year um, and, and probably beyond that, I, I think everybody is, is at least comfortable. I, I don't know. I don't know how, how you would kind of precisely. So I would say almost everybody is comfortable. I would, you know, I think the WAC, ASUN, and maybe OVC, or and the MIAC for sure would would certainly like to have different numbers, but they can wait a month, right? And, and most other people are are looking at this a little more stability. I I, I guess real quick, because I, I I don't know if I'm gonna when I'm gonna write about this, but as a, maybe a little treat to anybody who's who's 35 minutes into this, um, I've been hearing a lot about the Big East, not from a realignment perspective, but about their broadcast deal, because. What I have been hearing is that there has been a renewed sense of concern from that league office about what the Big Ten and Big 12 new media deals mean for them. Big East's main basketball television partner right now is Fox. And now Fox has substantially more premium inventory, uh, an inventory that's going to be across um, central and eastern time zones. And because Fox doesn't have a, a Fox Plus and Fox doesn't have a, a, as much as many, many broadcast window spaces, the concern that I've heard is not that the Fox is no longer interested in Big East basketball, but that Fox might not be interested in Big East basketball at the price point that the Big East wants, or really, quite frankly, needs to be successful, especially because uh, I have heard there's a chance that Fox might actually buy a very small basketball package for the Pac-12 rights, um, with, with ESPN and, and potentially Amazon not absorbing all of those also may, might eat into, into some of that space. So I would not be at all surprised if this becomes maybe one of the first places where a really new a new, entr uh, a new entry, a uh, new, new company you know, tries to make a big splash here, I'm thinking less about streaming. I, I could see this as HBO. Well, that that was that was the, that was the one that did come to mind. We did see Val Ackerman uh, yeah. around, and she's she's speaking here at the, at the conference. But you know, I I do think that um, you know once Warner Brothers Discovery Sports or whatever WBD whatever the that figures it's that is Turner Sports that we're used to seeing you know certainly NBA coverage on TNT and Turner. I do think they will be a player in sports rights moving forward. I think you look at just what David David Zasloff has done. You know, certainly over in Europe, what what they would like to do. Beyond the NBA, um, you know, being able to complement uh, some of their NBA packages with big brands that the Big East would have, um, yeah. you know, certainly would kind of bring them to the table. But what will be interesting about that deal is is not just you know who is the primary uh, driver of that. It's what kind of package are you going to kind of divvy up? Because I, I do feel like uh, I talked with Bob Bolsby about this. You know, you you have to include streaming components in all of the packages that you're doing now. You yeah. know, and, and what what does that look like? How do you divide that? Well, that's that's that is why those consultants are are making so much money uh, doing a lot of these deals. So the, you know, I, I think the Big East is in a, in, a, in a unique position, but. The good news for them, even if Fox is, and, and I, I say this as as a Fox employee, but even even if Fox is necessarily at the price point that they want, there will be other suitors. Oh, uh, un, so, un, unquestionably, so that that is the the driving force. You know, yeah. I, I mean, um, George Kafka said, you know, we're we're the last. Not only are we the last Power Five conference to to go, but we're going to be the last Power Five conference to go for the next seven years or six to seven years. So, yeah. um, you know, th there is, there's that element as well as, you know, a scarcity in the market can also help you a little bit. And, and I think the Big East being that last premium brand in terms of basketball, at least, th 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 they'll have a market for sure. I, yes, if you are a UConn or Marquette fan listening this far here, uh, I would, my advice to you is not to panic. If you work in the Big East offices, I would not recommend panicking, especially because got a pretty good commissioner. Like, I, I think it's going to be okay, but I would say you should be prepared for the possibility that maybe your stuff's not on Fox in like four or five years, uh, which I think leads to the last maybe news-ish thing. Well, I, oh, I, I was thinking that, that it would, it would, you mentioned UConn there. So I, I was thinking that you had mentioned that uh, our, our sponsor, Homefield Apparel, is, is branching out oh. beyond the doggers. Oh, and, and oh, I, I, you know what? Because, because we're, we're in this, this a different spot here and I didn't have that banner right in front of me, this is a great, you're right, thank you. This is a great time to remind you here about our dear friends at Homefield Apparel. Uh, one of the terrible things about this Las Vegas experience is now I have had to wear professional clothes uh, for 36 consecutive hours. Uh, I've had to wear a suit jacket. I've had to wear a tie. Homefield does not make those things. And so I haven't been in my beautiful, comfortable clothes. As soon as we're done recording this, I want to change into some gym shorts and my sad Yukon t-shirt which is extremely comfortable and soft and ridiculous. And of course, you can, you can much to uh, Homefield CEO's chagrin, you can buy 
sweatpants with the sad cartoon dog on them. But you're right, Brian. You can now buy sweatpants with a bunch of other logos on them too, if by chance you are somebody who hates Yukon or, or who, who doesn't find existential crisis uh, husky hilarious. If you're, say, a TCU fan, can you get Froggers? Is that is that what uh, the official name is? I don't is know the what they're officially calling them. I'm calling them Froggers. If they're joggers, is the sweatpants with the Yukon logo? They're doggers. I, I, so with TCU, it should be Froggers. Right? I, I think in terms of branding, you, you cannot go wrong with Froggers. If, if nothing else, you might you might run into some some trademark infringement uh, down down the road. If you're yeah, like, Battletoads. If you're, if you're angry, it's compliance at extrapointsmb.com is where the complaints can go. The, the hypno toady. I, I don't know. <laughs> hypno toadies, something like that. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. No, I, I I can't wait to to see some of the 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 new additions. Yeah, to, there's, to there's the Doggers there's, line. There's Georgia Bulldoggers. I, I mean, we're we're here in Vegas. You, they have a Utah one. You know, that uh, just won the Pac-12 title game. Uh, what a mile away from, from oh, where I we're at right now. A so good pun for a Ute, like Yager. I don't. The Utes, Yagers. Anyway, if you, if you have, if you have a good joke for the Utah sweatpants, um, send it to me. But you can buy those. You can buy a bunch of extremely comfortable was, sweatpants. Well, I, I was going to say, you know, some of some of the fans that that follow you uh, of a certain blue persuasion from the Beehive State, they might have some some different terms uh, compared to those. Of, of the yeah, I, sure. We, you can send me the blue ones too, right? Or you can send me the the ones with the swear words here. I. I, for, for my, my BYU brethren here who are listening, I am fully prepared to cuss so you don't have to. That is a burden I will shoulder. You can find extremely comfortable t-shirts, sweatpants, hoodies, crewnecks, doggers, and other associated errors at homefieldapparel.com. If you have not bought something from there at all, use promo code EXTRAPOINTS and save 15% off of your first order. Um, that is uh, homefieldapparel.com. Extra points is the promo to say 15% off the most comfortable, most unique, coolest looking, officially licensed collegiate apparel that you're going to be able to find on the internet. And I'm not just saying that because they pay us money every month. I'm saying that because... I definitely paid them some money this, this yeah, past yeah, month yeah. during their Black Friday we, we sale. Are reinvesting, so we are reinvesting that check <laughs> into other apparel. Um, the last kind of TV adjacent thing I think I wanted to mention before we wrap this up is this idea about the future of NCAA championship broadcast deals. Right now, all the NCAA championships are part of one universal package. Um, and the, the concern that has been raised, especially in light of the equity problems with the last one, with the women's basketball tournament during COVID, is that combining everything substantially undercuts the rights that you might be able to get for women's basketball and potentially some other sports too. Um, since the last NCAA contract was created, I would say the commercial value of women's volleyball as a television product, uh, product has blown up, especially out here in Big Ten country, where I think BTN has been a pioneer in recognizing that this is, a, this is a, an important television property and should be, should be treated as such. There's a potential that maybe softball or maybe even college baseball is undervalued. You might have seen in the beginning of those equity reports, there was, a, I think, one, one consultant that was quoted saying, you know, this, this is an order of magnitude. Uh, under under uh, well, it was all yeah. part of the uh, gender equity report. Yeah. It, we, you know, they asked a lot of television consultants sure. to kind of weigh in on, and this was kind of one of the the bigger driving forces of this this topic of yeah. conversation. Uh, I guess a couple of years ago. Yeah. yeah. So so now you know we're, we're asking commissioners, uh, not not just the Power Five commissioners, but people like like Val Ackerman, people like Bernadette at the A10, whether it's time to 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 make that that change and carve women's basketball life and other things. The takeaway that I got from listening to people here is administrators think that that's premature and not just male administrators or people that aren't as tied, you know, died in, tied, dialed into women's basketball, but administrators who you know, came up in women's basketball and know that world very well are saying that, that we think that that's premature. And part of it is just because I don't know if the NCAA's media consulting arms or their consultants that they work with have fully done the work. Um, in, in part because the broadcast media situation is different now than even when that gender equity report came out. I, if I had to hazard a guess, I think that is eventually what happens to women's basketball. I don't think I could, I don't think I know enough to offer a good prediction about whether they're going to carve out other sports, whether there ends up being four or five packages. You know, one of the commissioners was, was, was telling me that you know, there, there's some risks to having four or five different packages, not just financially, but in terms of exposure. And, and the NCAA historically has been prepared to take less money in exchange for predictability and brand safety. You know, 
you could probably get a bigger bag by parking some of the, like the fencing championships or something on flow. But we know what fans think about that service. And if you've been beaten up everywhere, that's, you know, putting paywalling some of those, that, that content is, uh, is, is, could potentially be, be controversial. So like my takeaway here is, um, I wouldn't necessarily say that moving the women's basketball tournament to a different television deal is inevitable or like a done deal by any means. There's a lot of math that has to happen first. I, I, I would agree with that a, a little bit. I think a lot of this is going to be a direction set by the new NCAA president. Also That's kind of going to be one of their big uh, to-do items, yep. uh, certainly uh, in, in terms of what they will take over and, and move forward with. I also think, you know, if I had to hazard a guess at this point, I would imagine that, yes, the women's basketball would be sold separately. You also got to understand that they will have a another tournament that they can sell with that in terms of kind of what the NCAA version of the women's NIT that they are creating. We actually had a conversation with Lynn Holtzman, who runs women's basketball at the NCAA, about that. And they should have some clarity in terms of funding and moving forward with that tournament uh, come January. So that's also a part of the, the women's basketball media equation. I would imagine the baseball and softball tournaments could end up getting sold in a separate package as well. Yeah. I think what happens with those other sports, the D2, D3, that, that, that sort of, you know, those championships that, that do get broadcast, whether they ESPN do. three or, or CBS Sportsnet, uh occasionally, like what was ultimately happening with them. I, I would expect them to all go to market separately. But like you're saying, if the ESPN bid is within a certain parameter of that and, and they can yeah. have some additional, you know, combine the, the championships, yeah, I think the NCAA would take a little bit less in terms of top dollar uh, in order to have that common media part. I mean, it, it was interesting. I had, had a pretty lengthy conversation with, with Kevin Warren about just the process of integrating CBS, NBC, now Fox as, as well. You know, yes, you, your schools know who to go to when it when it's an ESPN cockpit. That is new now with with CBS. Or, yeah, they, went, uh, they, don't, they don't know all those guys yet. So um, you know, it's it just it's just changes, and, and I, I think the the entire media eco ecosystem. I, I mean, you know, Bob Iger is, is now back at Disney. What what does that impact as we go through this next right cycle? Um, you know, does does ESPN get back into bed with the Pac-12? I mean, his his wife will obey works at a, at a Pac-12 or for, I guess. A, soon to be former Pac-12 school in, in USC. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I think it's going to be very interesting in terms of um, where are we going for, from a media ecosystem? How does that play in with, with college rights? And, you know, related to that, that is going to be a big top of mind thing for for the NCAA president is do we divvy these things up and how? And and, and that is going to be a uh, something that we will, we will cover at the next edition of this. this uh, I, yeah, conference. I was about to say, like, as, as we're kind of wrapping up this year, uh, you know, things shut down a little bit around the holidays outside of stuff directly related to bowls. Unpacking that sounds like a very fascinating and uh, 2023 story that, that we'll be digging into a little bit. And you're absolutely right. That a is late 2023 a late story, 2023. hopefully. Yeah, which would, to kind of put a bow in this whole thing, we're talking about a lot of stuff here that's that's to be continued, right? This 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 is the, I don't want to say it's, it's the, the calm before the storm, but it's a, a more of a hurry up and wait. Uh, while surrounded by slot machines, uh, kind of kind of scenario, which is which is where we are in college sports right now. Um, independent of this event, you know, Brian and I will be, we're recording this here on uh, Wednesday night. I think time has no meaning here in, in Las Vegas, especially when Dude, you've been here as long as we have. You're not you're not even you're not even kidding. We've we've got some more interviews and conversations, probably some other videos that are going to appear across Collegiate Sports Connect and the rest of our publishing family. We will be back in our respective home bases on Friday and, and getting ready here for the, the next week. We didn't even get a chance to talk about where we were on the road the, the, the last couple of days. Um, we won't on this show because we gotta we gotta get to bed and we gotta we gotta take care of some other writing and everything. But uh, I did make a quick tour of Connecticut, um, which I think some of you may be interested in. I toured uh, the new uh, hockey arena at Sacred Heart which is going to be an elite facility, better than, uh, better than UConn. Looks phenomenal. You know, better than, than championship caliber facilities. And, and I dug into why, which I think is a pretty interesting case uh, study for like a mid-major money ball sort of situation. And then I also went to neighboring Fairfield and uh, was there for the opening night of their beautiful new uh, basketball arena, which is being built uh, with different funding and really for very different reasons. There's two different stories in there. One's free, one's behind the paywall. Uh, I, I think you might enjoy those. Uh, we, we, we also had a, a, an editorial about the transfer portal and my ambivalence, I, I guess, into the, the way that recruiting has kind of played into that here, which I, I, I am sensing is held by many other fans that consider themselves to be athlete advocates 
while recognizing that this isn't really a perfect system. So if that's kind of how you're feeling, maybe you'll feel hurt or recognized. You can find all those on Extra Points MB. Uh, we've got, I, I think, probably one more week of, of four-day week newsletters here for Extra Points. We're going to take a little bit of a break around Christmas because we are planning some really gigantic back-of-house changes. And also, I need a break. <laughs> and and, and we'll, we'll kind of we'll catch back into it there at the end. Um, and with uh, Brian, you've got head coach you going on here, and I, that's going in a very interesting direction these next couple of episodes too. Yeah, we have a, have a couple of uh, another guest uh, lined up, so uh, be sure to uh, catch that. Certainly at the end of the week after you, you've listened to this episode, I think we'll have it uh, by then, although schedules are constantly changing here in Las Vegas. But um, no, fun times uh, with head coach you ahead, and, and I think um, – Really excited, uh, not only with, with that, but everything that we've been been producing. Got a lot of uh, conversations with conference commissioners on Collegiate Sports Connect, which is you know free. You do have to sign up for an account, but but the account is free. And and uh, I as well, you know, you have the D one ticker with all of the information that is happening at, at this conference and beyond. It, it's a uh, fun times, busy times, but uh, I am looking forward to as you as you mentioned, taking a little bit of a break. And yes, I, we we don't get a long one. Uh, we get a long one. Happen uh, start happening with. Uh, bowl games and, and the NCAA convention. We got semifinals, uh, college football playoff, et cetera. Et cetera. Conventions in, in January. Yeah, it's 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 a long and, and wild stretch uh, run that we're about to embark. Like, like John Rothstein says, we sleep in May. I, I don't even know if it'll we'll make it to May uh, in terms of that sleep. Well, I mean, uh, we, yeah. we, we, we we will get there in, eventually. So it, it, it's it's fun. It's energizing. I, I know nobody is. Um, <laughs> complaining for for us but uh you know yeah we're I, not at the, we're not at the rock breaking factory we're just we're just exhausted dads yes. um on that note thanks for thanks for listening here and everybody we deeply appreciate your support of this show and throughout our uh publishing family uh last quick note here if you have story ideas if you have tips if you have things you want to leak to us things we should be writing about uh drop us a note at our new tip line compliance at extrapointsmb.com um, you can just also just email me at matt at extrapointsmb.com. I, I check that all the time there too, but this is just the, the designated have, tips have, have we gotten any, any, anything juicy out of this? Uh, I've, I've gotten like seven emails. I, I, one of them was a pretty good idea that I'm, I'm kind of kind of picking at a little bit right now. Uh, I've, had, I've had some good conversations. Um, nothing that's immediately turning into a newsletter yet. But if you have something, there you go. You, I, I mean, I would you be, know I where would, to find you. Yes. I, I would, I would, you know, I'm on Twitter all the time too. I'm not a hard guy to track down. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch up with you when we get back home. <laughs>